Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Van Maren Show. Today, we're going to be paying tribute to Dr. Mike Adams, a pro-life activist who recently passed away by suicide. He was a hero for the pre-born. There are children alive today because of his work. And so today, we wanted to talk uh, to one of his good friends, Dr. Frank Turek, and take a moment to recognize his contribution to the pro-life movement, to the pro-life and pro-freedom cause that's coming right up. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Van Maren Show on LifeSiteNews.com. As I mentioned today, we're going to be talking to Dr. Frank Turek. He's a, a great Christian apologist, and he was also a good friend of Dr. Mike Adams. Now, many of you might recognize the name. Dr. Mike Adams was a frequent conservative ta- uh, columnist on TownHall.com. He had been quoted by everybody from Rush Limbaugh to Glenn Beck, but also he was a devout and very, very talented pro-life activist who took on uh, many different abortion activists and advocates in debate. There was one incredible debate he did with Dr. Willie Parker, the abortionist who has written a book trying to explain how you can be both Christian and and for abortion. And I remember this one moment in that debate uh, when... Mike Adams was pushing Dr. Willie Parker on how many abortions he had done, and it was either the difference between 10,000 and 30,000 or 20,000 and 30,000, and finally Dr. Parker said to Dr. Adams, what difference does it make? And Dr. Adams said the difference is 10,000 dead babies. That's what difference it makes. So when you crush a human skull, it's not really gray matter, it's white brain matter that oozes out? What's your point? No, I'm asking you a question. Is, is the brain matter that oozes out when you crush a human skull white? What does it matter? What does it matter? Yes, what does it matter? <laughs> I, I, I get you're going for theatrics and uh, you made your for, point. I, I am going for medical accuracy okay. because you said I wasn't. Okay. So I went to an abortion manual. That's okay. what I did. So I you, responded to your criticism. You described what I do. So what is your point? My point is that it intentionally kills an innocent human being. Would you concede the point? It inti- I started my, my, my first concession was to your first two syllogisms, okay. that abortion uh, kills a human being. It is the intentional disruption of a pregnancy that kills a human being. And I made the distinction and why, that's why I asked you to be more precise in your definition okay. of why you say abortion kills a human being, but you've never okay. said abortion kills a person. Okay, well, you, you can ask me about that when you ask questions. Just one, one final question. How many innocent human beings have you intentionally killed in your life's work? I don't know. I don't measure You've lost my count. work. I don't. Uh, You've lost I don't, count. Uh, if it's a million. 10,000? 20,000. 20,000? What's the difference? What's the difference yes, what's between 20,000 and 30,000? Yeah, no. 10,000 dead human beings. Okay. That's the difference. Okay. And so I see the left is just turning on him with total viciousness. There's story after story after story coming out, talking about how this controversial professor who sent out vile tweets uh, has now died by suicide. And I thought that because of all he's done for the pro-life movement, it's only appropriate for us to pay tribute to him, to remember what he actually did, to remember the fact that Mike Adams left the world a better place, not a worse place. And just to once again remember that the left is doing what they, they've they always done. They're willing to hound somebody to death and they won't even 
even stop smearing him after he's gone. And so it's up to those of us who admired his contribution to tell the other side of the story. So before I talk to uh, talk to his friend, Frank, I just want to read uh, the, the obituary that got posted of him. Mike Adams passed away on July 23, 2020 at the age of 55. He was born on October 30, 1964 in Columbus, Mississippi, the son of the late John D. Adams Jr. and Julia Rester Adams. His teenage years were filled with a love of soccer, but eventually he earned his doctorate at Mississippi State University. He became a criminology professor at UNC Wilmington as a staunch atheist and a liberal. After seeing the mistreatment of prisoners while doing criminology research in a South American prison, Mike realized there must be an objective standard of good by which we could make sense of evil and injustice, and this helped lead him to Christianity. We're going to be getting into that with Dr. Turek later. Eventually, he found, as his books and columns became more conservative, he actually wrote a book called Letters to a Young Progressive, How Not to Waste Your Life Protesting Things You Don't Understand. Uh, Mike found that the university began to deny him promotions, even though he was always rated very highly by students. He was consistently one of the most favored professors on campus and one employee of the of the campus award twice his case went all the way to the united states fourth circuit court of appeals and he won a jury judgment that continues to protect the free speech of professors to this day those are just a few of the things that you need to know about Dr. Mike Adams. Those of you who are in the pro-life movement will have seen his exchanges with uh, with his, his really close friend, Scott Klusendorf of Life Training Institute. He gave speeches all across the United States. He spoke on the abortion issue frequently. And again, there are people alive today because Dr. Mike Adams chose to speak up for the pre-born. And I think that we as a movement should pause to remember his accomplishments rather than simply letting the left define his life by a series of tweets that they couldn't understand because they don't understand irony, they don't understand sarcasm, uh, they don't understand uh, parody or satire. He was a good man. He did unbelievably good things with the years that were allotted to him. And I would just like to say that the pro-life movement does miss him and that we wish all those who knew him our sincerest condolences. So without further introduction from me, here's my conversation with his good friend, Dr. Frank Turek. So to start off then, maybe just share with uh, our listeners and our, our viewers, many of whom will know who Dr. Mike Adams was, but for those who don't, who was Dr. Mike Adams? Yeah, Mike was a criminology professor by profession from the University of North Carolina at Wilmington. He was also a columnist. He's written hundreds of columns, uh, mostly at townhall.com, but you can also find some of them at Daily Wire and some other places. Uh, he was a pro-life and free speech warrior. Uh, he, of course, was a, a Christian, a born-again Christian. He helped uh, teach some classes that I teach here at our ministry, crossexamine.org. One is called Fearless Faith, another is called Fearless Generation, where we try and train people before they go to college to be ready to go there. Uh, so he was somebody that took a, a very direct and yet often satirical uh, take on issues to try and get a point across. And... Um, in recent months, he's taken a lot of vitriol, uh, even more so than normal. He had to sue his university, Jonathan, uh, several years ago because after he became a Christian and after he had won Faculty of the Year twice and after he was one of the top students rated by the students there, top teachers rated by the students there, he kept being denied promotions as soon as he became a Christian. Uh, and they were discriminated against him because of his conservative Christian viewpoint. And so he took them to court and after a seven-year battle won. Well, in 2020, 
Um, he took more abuse from the university and tragically ended his own life, at least it seems like he did, uh, just uh, earlier in July, uh, just to, as we speak here, just within two weeks ago. Uh, and uh, there's a lot that we don't know at this point because mm -hmm. we think there may have been a medical issue that he had that may have caused him to uh, not think quite clearly because in the last week or two of his life, he just wasn't following facts clearly. Unlike him, very smart, very analytical, very quick-witted, and um, something went wrong, I think, medically right. with him in the last days. Uh, but part of that was brought on by this incredible amount of abuse he took from the left, from his own college, calling him a vile racist when none of that was true. And tragically, he's going to be with the Lord now. I mean, it's not tragic he's with the Lord, but it's tragic he took his own life. Yeah, and, and I, I'd been meaning to ask you that because I know I, l I listened to your own podcast tribute, which was really beautiful. And I know that you and, and Jay Warner Wallace, I know Scott Klusendorf as well, all spoke to him in, in, in those final days. So it's not like their months had gone by during all of this craziness that was happening in his life where the university agreed to pay him half a million dollars to retire early. Um, you, you, had, you had talked to him recently. What was he like the last few weeks? He, was, he had just stayed at your house, hadn't he? Yes, he'd been staying at my house, actually watching my house and pet while we were at my own dad's funeral. And uh, as I say, in the last couple of weeks, he wasn't he wasn't accepting what was true about his future or even about his past. He seemed to be so despondent about it that we couldn't we couldn't quite get through to him. And uh, you know, in retrospect, you always look in retrospect. Well, could I have done this? Could I have done that? And all three of us had talked to him about suicide directly, and he said, "No, no, I never do that." So, right, tragically, he did. It appears anyway. One of the things that I, I really, one of the reasons I really wanted to talk to you uh, and to do a show about him is because I, I went, I was scrolling through the media coverage uh, shortly after his passing and well, actually up to a week after his passing and, and all of the headlines managed to squeeze something they disagreed with into the actual headline. And it's, I, I find this entire habit of, of, of putting a political disagreement in the headline of a eulogy to be disgusting anyways. But one of the reasons I wanted to do something is because of all of the things he did for freedom of speech, for, for the pro-life cause, for truth. I felt that those, uh, those of us who respected his contribution, admired his contribution should do at least something small to, to provide a counterbalance to this sort of fire hose of garbage uh, that the mainstream media is saying about him and just sort of uh, pause for just a moment uh, at the event of his passing and talk about what he all contributed. So when you look at the legacy of Dr. Mike Adams, what, what do you see? What did he leave behind uh, that people should know about and, of course, are not talking about in the mainstream uh, media? Well, I laid that out in about 50 minutes on our podcast. They can go to the I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist podcast and listen to it. But a couple of things come to mind. Uh, he was afraid uh, of virtually no one when it came to speaking for free speech and speaking for the pro-life movement. And unfortunately, too many people are afraid to open their mouths now in the cancel culture. You know, they think that if they open their mouths, well, I'm going to lose my job. And maybe they will. But Mike, he just kept going. And one of the problems was is that the, if there is a quote-unquote silent majority out there, it's way too silent because right. it doesn't even back up the people who are fighting on the front lines. Uh, but some of the things that he left behind, 
were some children that I think are, were born because he spoke up and they would have been aborted otherwise. A court case that I mentioned earlier uh, that he actually sued his university, went to the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals in the United States uh, court system, and he got a judgment in favor uh, of protecting professors. They can't be discriminated against based on their political viewpoints and not be promoted. Uh, so that was a big legacy that lives on after he's gone. And uh, so many of his columns, so many of his DVDs, we have some of the DVDs here at our ministry, uh, the training, he trained 15,000 uh, Summit graduates, helped train them. Uh, he's one of the of many instructors there at Summit. He was a, a, a an in-resident scholar there every summer. So he taught about, let's see, he taught almost 2,000 kids every summer uh, right there in Manitou Springs. Uh, and of course, all the hundreds, if not thousands of people who taught at UNC Wilmington. If you go to his condolence page on his obituary, if you type in Mike S. Adams obituary, you go to the condolence page, you're going to see student after student saying, this is the best professor I ever have. This guy motivated me to get into criminal justice. This guy motivated me to fight, motivated me to fight racism, when in fact, the, uh, the, the major media is calling him a racist. I mean, it's, it's the furthest thing from the truth that Mike Adams was a racist. He just used satire and the left is so historically ignorant that they don't even understand what satire is. And they, so they call him a racist. It's ridiculous. And you cited some of the lines. Uh, I, I did actually, no, I was not surprised to discover, um, but I didn't know that he had written originally for the Babylon Bee a little bit. I did not know that. It makes perfect sense. Um, uh, what was one of the lines you quoted on your podcast? He said that if they're so stoned that if you you could blindfold them with dental floss. <laughs> That's one um, of the lines he used to use in one of our seminars about the Marxists who would come to his and protest him, you know, and yeah. one day at the University of Amherst, he joined the protest and they didn't recognize it was him. He's in there protesting, pumping his sticks, going, I hate Mike Adams, I hate Mike Adams. And they finally looked at him and realized it's him, it's Satan himself, it's Mike Adams. And so there's these communists protesting him and they say, hey, get out of our space. And he said, you don't understand, you're communist. You don't have your own space. We share space, <laughs> you know. And he said, well, these people were so stoned, you could blind them with dental, you could blindfold them with dental floss. He was selling them, I hate Mike Adams bumper stickers. So he could fund his own website with the revenue he got from the bumper stickers. You know? Yeah, tell us, tell us that story because I have to say my very first exposure to to Mike Adams was uh, a column being posted by Scott Klusendorf, and he just said, "I hate Mike Adams," and I was thinking, "Well, that's kind of rude. I've never seen Scott post that way about anybody." And then the first con underneath the article was Mike Adams saying, "I also hate Mike Adams," and he was providing a link for where you could buy swag about hating Mike Adams. What was what was that all about? Well, that's that's a friend of his gave him the idea that say, "Hey, man, it'll be the ultimate, the ultimate triumph of capitalism over socialism. You have these socialists pay you for your product." that says, I hate Mike Adams, and then you could take that money and, and fund your website. <laughs> you know, it's, the, it's the ultimate triumph of capitalism over socialism. So you saw him discussing in the arena debating ideas. I think one of the most powerful lines I ever, I ever saw him deliver was his debate with the abortionist Willie Parker, who it bears mentioning is, is an abortionist who calls himself a Christian, has also been accused of sexual misconduct. He's a very complicated person. And anyways, he, he debated with, 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 with Dr. Mike Adams, and Dr. Mike Adams was doing a great job, but there was a moment that really stood out to me at least was when he was trying to force Dr. Willie Parker to 
to describe what abortion looked like. And he kept on saying, uh, Dr. Parker, when you crush the skull, uh, is when the brains come out, do they look white? And he kept on saying, what difference does it make? And he said, how many times have you done this? And uh, at one point, uh, Dr. Willie Parker responded and said, like, what's the difference between 10,000 and 30,000 uh, abortions? Like, what's the, what's the difference? And, and, and uh, Mike Adams responded, 20,000 dead babies. That's the difference. And the room just went quiet. And even even Parker just didn't know what to say. Was this what he was always like in debate? Like, I've debated abortion probably a couple of thousand times total over the last decade, you know, on the streets doing pro-life activism. But a line like that in a debate sort of finishes it all off. And it, and it took somebody like him to deliver it. Yeah, the other line that he said, and I think it was in this debate, it may have been in his Nadine Strassen debate, who was the ACLU, head of the ACLU, also a pro-abortionist. Uh, he said, uh, dead things don't grow, mm. you know, and because the left's always trying to say, well, it's not really alive. Well, then why is it growing, right? <laughs> you know? There's something in you that's growing. It's got its own blood type. It's got its own sex. It's got its own body, obviously. This is not just part of your body. This is, it's got its own body. It's got its own, a different blood type, maybe a different sex than you, certainly a different genome than you. This is an individual human being. Yeah. And you just don't like the fact that it's an individual human being because it's going to get in the way of you doing what you want to do. Pregnancy for you is inconvenient. Well, I'm so sorry it's inconvenient, but that's just the way it is. Give the baby up for adoption. Right. Now, one of the things a lot of people don't know about Mike Adams is that he, when he started his academic career, he wasn't a Christian, he wasn't a conservative, he wasn't pro-life. I remember reading a column in, I think it was at townhall.com, and he was actually defending the use of abortion victim photography, uh, explaining why graphic imagery could be effective in changing minds. And he actually described a moment in a prison in, I believe, Ecuador, where he saw prisoners being tortured, and how seeing that essentially jolted him out of his atheism in, in your personal conversations with you, how did he describe seeing that in his journey from, from atheism to conservatism and Christianity? Well, that was it. When he went to that Ecuadorian prison, there were two things he saw, the mistreatment of prisoners. And he saw a man on death row who had a very low IQ, but he had actually read the Bible and became a Christian. And Mike said, you know, I'm a PhD and I've never read the Bible. Right. Maybe I ought to do that, you know? <laughs> There's so many people out there who say they're not Christians and they've never even given Jesus a chance, right? Never even read what he supposedly said and did. Uh, so Mike was somebody that was moved, and I think most people are moved by imagery. That's why we are where we are now in our culture is because they're moved by manipulated imagery. But when you show people the truth, then it wakes them up. When you show somebody, and Scott Klusendorf, our mutual friend, shows a short little 52-second video of a really an aborted baby. And there's no argument after that. After you see that, you go, okay, that's a human being. Why, why, why are we killing it? You don't, have, you don't need arguments after that. You just need to show them that and go, you think that's okay? No. And, 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 and why are you, why are you um, against showing an image of the truth? In fact, one of the most profound images that helped the civil rights movement came, uh, come around was that young man in 1955, that young black man who was uh, murdered Till. and lynched. I'm trying to think of his name right now. Emmett, Till. Emmett Till. Till. Emmett Till, that was it. I knew it was an E. I couldn't think of it for some reason. Uh, Emmett Till, she, the, the mother, mom said, no, it's going to be open casket. You're going to see what these evil people did to my son. Mm -hmm. And that helped move people to say, yeah, this isn't right. we got to do something about this. 
Now, one of the one of the things I wanted to to touch on with you is what what Mike Adams was actually like. Because if you look at NBC, CNN, all the headlines, they basically managed to say like sort of like vile and racist tweets, squish that in there. David French wrote an obituary um, because David French was the lawyer who defended him for for eight years uh, when he was suing about his lack of promotion, uh, and he said, "I knew I knew Mike's heart. He was not a racist." Uh, my, uh, Scott Klusendorf has also been posting about it as well and said anybody who knew Mike Adams knew he wasn't a racist. As you mentioned, there were students uh, who said he inspired me to fight racism. And Scott also said, if you were looking for Mike after an event, you you would often find him in the kitchen helping wash dishes. That's the kind of person he was. And so to provide a counterbalance to all the things that are being said about him, how would you describe Mike Adams to somebody who didn't know him and maybe just share a story or two from your memories um, of what he was actually like? Well, he was funny, actually. <laughs> it was really funny. We were sitting right out here on my patio just two and a half weeks ago. And even though he was depressed, he was every once in a while still cracking jokes. Like, for example, he said, uh, you know, I used to date a girl from Iowa and uh, she had a cornfield in her backyard. She turned out to be a stalker. <laughs> I mean, he, was, he was just a king of puns. You know, as soon as his hair turned, started turning gray, he called himself a gray rights activist. You know? And I could go two puns in, he would go eight in. And, and, and he had all these funny one-liners that he would always use. And like, you know, I just, I have a new book. It's 10 Steps to Humility and How I Made It in Seven, which is really humble of me because I actually made it in six. You know, I mean, he would have stuff like that. And uh, he was just, he loved satire. And, and in today's culture, many people are offended by satire which is just remarkably, not, remarkably naive for people to say you're offended. Jesus used satire. Jesus said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. What's he doing? He's mocking the Pharisees for pulling gnats out of their water, but swallowing camels. Right. He's pointing out how their priorities are, are inverted. And you can, make, you can make a point better with satire quite frequently than you can with saying something straight on. Right. You know, and that's what Mike did. He did it routinely. And some people got offended by it. Well, oh, well, too bad you got offended by it. The Pharisees were offended by Jesus. You can't handle the truth? Okay, you can't handle it. Sorry. But uh, so he was, he was somebody who was provocative in that regard, but he was always smiling when he did it. In oh, fact, that's one of the problems. You know, people who knew him, when they saw a, tw- a tweet, they go, oh, that's Mike. He's, that's funny. Yeah. You know, everyone else is going, well, they, oh, he's a racist. Oh, yeah, he's, no, he's not. And that's one of the, the, the regrets he had at the end was, you know, I, I should have never gotten on Twitter. Twitter is not a place for nuance, obviously. No. Twitter is not a place for argumentation. You don't have a sustained argument on Twitter. Twitter is a sewer of irrationality and hostility. Yeah. And uh, unless you're just going to post a link about, an, a, you know, a, a, a column or, you know, a, a more sustained argument, Twitter's useless uh, for that. And uh, too many people get angry and hostile and call people names. It's just, it's, it's absurd. absurd. So he was always the happy warrior, but a couple of people who eulogized him made this point, and I wanted to pose the question to you. I think it was Mark Stein who said, uh, at the end of the day, the happy warrior was the not-so-happy warrior, and all he could hear was sort of the roar of the silent majority who wouldn't stand up for him 
when he needed them. Nobody, nobody is built to sustain a sort of constant fire hose of hatred. And despite the fact that, uh, again, as you point out, if you go to his obituary page and look at the comments, everybody who knew him and took his class is saying, many of them are saying beautiful things about him right now. And at the same time, everybody's a human. Nobody, you know, humans aren't born with turtle shells. It can't be easy to take that kind of hatred. Was was withstanding that fire hose of hatred one of the things that wore away at him? What, what can we all collectively take away from this and learn from this because my, Mike Adams is not not it was not the first and is not going to be the last person who stood up for something and then has to take this day in and day out and maybe we ought to think about the wear and tear on the warriors who fight our battles for us yeah well one thing we can do is back up people who are standing up for truth second thing we can do is when we are having an argument with somebody stay on the argument sure you can use satire sure you can express your point strongly but don't attack the person you know don't run down the person Run down the issue, run down the, the, the behavior that they're exhibiting, but not the person. Another thing I think that uh, people don't seem to understand is that I don't think God intended us to have an opinion on everything going on in the world at any one time. Right. You know, something happens in the world and we're suddenly supposed to be experts and have an opinion and supposed to post that everywhere. Who said? And why are we supposed to be the ones that have to know everything about everything? and take all that upon ourselves. Mm -hmm. All this nonsense about silence is violence on particular issues. Look, I don't know enough about the issue to have an opinion on it. Yeah. You know, don't pressure me to say something when I haven't even evaluated all the facts. And, and maybe right now I don't have time to evaluate all the facts. And another problem I have is I don't even know who's telling the truth here. Yeah. I mean, this, this whole yeah. COVID thing is one big example of it, right? Yeah. I, don't know where to go. I don't know where to go for good information. I really don't. Everything's politicized. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's hard to even figure out what the truth is half the time. And then you have all these people pressuring you. Why don't you say something? Why don't you, look, why don't you just all shut up, okay? Why don't you just give us a chance to try and figure out what's going on before we, we, uh, we bark out our opinion without even knowing what the, what the issues are? Mm-hmm. Well, because one of the things that actually sh did shake me a bit was when you mentioned on your podcast towards the end that there was going to be a, a private burial service, but that nobody, you guys weren't going to say where where Dr. Mike Adams was buried because you were worried somebody was going to desecrate his grave. And I was thinking, is, is that where... Is that actually where we're at? That even even when the, when the man has sort of been hounded from from this earth, and and he's just should be remembered lovingly by those who knew him and admiringly by those who were in the same who shared a movement with him. We we have to worry about that now. Even I think so. We're not even telling people who his fiance is. Yeah, no, that's quite something. That really is quite something. What was, what, for, for some of the viewers and listeners who, who won't know this, because most people know about his massive seven-year court case, because it set quite the precedent when he actually beat UNC Wilmington for denying him promotions, essentially for being a Christian. What was the whole kerfuffle this year that was being being mentioned in, in every obit and news story by the mainstream media a couple of weeks ago? Well, Mike had a tweet. He was really depressed about the COVID thing because he loved being in the classroom, you know, and, and he said to me just three weeks ago, this COVID thing has not been good for me. You know, I, I, need, I need to be out with people. I need to be teaching. And he lived alone. You know, he was engaged, but his fiance lived four hours away. Right. And um, so uh, he had a tweet that was going after Governor Cooper here in North Carolina that said something like, I don't have it memorized, but something like, uh, you know, I, was sit I, I went to dinner uh, with, with six guys, 
uh, on a six-top table. We all drank beer. I almost felt like a free man in the slave state of North Carolina. Massa Koopa, let my people go. And that's what triggered everything. It ever, oh, he's a racist. What's a, these people are so historically ignorant, Jonathan. They don't even understand that Mike Adams is being satirical by right. saying that Governor Roy Cooper in the state of North Carolina is a Democrat governor in the South, and the Democrats were the ones who supported slavery. The Democrats are the party of slavery. The Republican Party was started to end slavery. And Mike is pointing that out in a satirical way. He's saying Governor Cooper is just like a southern slave state owner. He's, he's, he's preventing our movements. He's restricting our movements. We feel like we're in a slave state. That's what he was saying. He wasn't, he wasn't making a racist comment. He was just pointing out how ironic it was that there is a Democrat governor in the South actually treating him what he felt like he was restricted like a slave would be. Mm -hmm. And these people are so historically ignorant, they have no sense of humor, which is why even the cleanest comedian in the history of the world, Jerry Seinfeld, will not go to a college campus, right. will not be, a, he says, I can't make a joke without people getting offended. It's ridiculous. And then, so I, I remember there was a, there was a petition and then what UNC Wilmington ended up paying him out for half a million dollars and, and then he had to quit, correct? Well, the problem was, was that, that they were going to fire him without, and then say, fine, you want to sue us. I know we can't, we can't legally fire you, but we're going to fire And then you're going to have to go to a court case. Another seven-year battle, and he wouldn't have any income? No, he couldn't do that. So he had to settle for an inadequate settlement. And uh, initially, he was okay with it. But, th but then as more uh, facts came to light, he was completely, you know, increasingly dissatisfied with it. And it's because of these university bureaucrats at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington, calling him file and racist and flaming these, uh, these, th this rage from the left when they should have said, uh, this is called satire. You know, he can, they, to their credit, they did say he had the right to do it, that the First Amendment protects that, but they didn't back him up other than that at all. They were right. trying to get rid of him. Right. Well, where can, uh, where can everybody find your eulogy to him i i don't know if you wrote one but i listened to your podcast and everybody who wants to know more about mike adams should listen to that so you want to just repeat where people can find that if they go to our website crossexamined.org which crossexamined with a d on the end of it.org they'll see it there it's also the podcast is called i don't have enough faith to be an atheist wherever they get podcast itunes uh, you know wherever they go mm -hmm. to get that they can listen to it and the title of it is the, the mike adams i knew and loved and uh, that will be uh, in a transcript within the next week or so. But uh, it was a hard one to do because uh, Mike was a very close friend of mine, and uh, he was treated extremely poorly. And, uh, look, people make their own decisions, quite obviously. And uh, people say, well, Christians, would, you know, you should never take your own. Yeah, of course you shouldn't, but we don't know what we would do in that situation. We don't. You know, Peter thought he'd never deny the Lord. What did he wind up doing? He denied him three times. It's in the Bible. I mean, come on. You know, now, gee, don't get me wrong. Mike's a believer and Mike's, Mike's with Jesus now. I'm simply saying that when we get all, uh, we get all prideful and say, oh, I would never do what Mike did, or I would, you don't know what you would do in what situation. You just ask for the grace of God to move forward. So Mike was in a very bad situation. And as I mentioned earlier, um, I, I think something medically went wrong with him in the last week or two of his life. We have some evidence for that. We're doing an autopsy. It's going to take four to six weeks to come out, you know, all the details. So we won't exactly know the results for quite a while. And uh, even if, even when we know them, it's not, not going to be my place to reveal them anyway. Right. His brother and his fiance are going to be the ones that will have the say on that. Right. 
Well, thank you so much for, for joining us to talk about Mike. And again, we extend our most heartfelt condolences to you uh, and all those who loved him on the loss of your friend. Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks for the work you're doing. I know Mike would be pleased that you're continuing this work. It's the most important work in the country right now, because when you're actually taking the lives of innocent people, what could be more important than that? Yeah. Well, thank you again so much. Thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, that was my conversation with Dr. Frank Turek on the life and legacy of Dr. Mike Adams. We hope you enjoyed hearing about his life. We hope that you took a moment to remember him as the result of hearing about his life. If you want to hear past podcasts, you can head over to lifesightnews.com and click on the podcast tab. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Please do like and share. Please do subscribe. It helps others uh, get exposed to the work that we're doing. Thanks so much for joining us this week, and we do hope you'll join us again next week.